As we visit food shops with cookbook writer Diane Kuchilas and chef Steve Jilaba, our first stop is Elixir. Here we'll buy some special herbs for the dishes she'll be cooking later. This shop, which deals exclusively with hard-to-find Greek herbs and spices, has been in business for more than 75 years. Proprietor Pericles Konyaras says his customers buy herbs for medicinal purposes, too. Uh, I have uh, many, many herbs from uh, medicine herbs, only, not only from the kitchen. Mm -hmm. But uh, this medicine herbs is uh, uh, from uh, Europe and from uh, Asia. We don't only use herbs in our cooking, but we also use herbs for their therapeutic value. Therapeutic, so we, yeah. we make infusions and tisanes mm -hmm. with them and we actually drink the stuff. The herb vendors were, were almost like the um, people's pharmacies until a generation ago. People would come and specifically look for, you know, look for specific herbs for different ailments. And they still do it today. And they still do it. This is the most, most, most famous oregano. Uh, it's from uh, Peloponnesus Island from the central of the Peloponnesus in um, Tripoli, the, this is the, the, the area. And it's uh, from the high mountains, and it uh, smells very, very nice. It's a lot, a lot of flowers here. You get the fragrance now. It's, yeah, yeah, it smells great. I think the people who take it to Oregano, you take this one, and you don't take Crusset, because the Crusset does not smell very nice like this one. It's perfect to take, and you go home to Crusset with your hands, and you put it in a jar, and you have a fresh Oregano for one year. Herbs, both fresh and dried, are essential to Greek cooking, and each has its place. Mint pairs well with cheese pies. Oregano is best with Greek salad and feta. Thyme complements lamb, rosemary enhances pork, and sage appears primarily in herbal teas. Next door, at Arapian, we stop to taste an unusual selection of cured meats. Greece has a wide repertoire of charcuterie, with recipes varying from region to region. Arapian purveyor Fanis treats us to a sampling of spicy preserved meats from Macedonia and Thrace, including pasturma, strip loin of beef coated with red pepper, fenugreek, garlic, cumin, and rye flour. In addition to salumi from two Ionian islands and numbolo, spice-rubbed smoked pork loin from Corfu, Fanis offers up a sampling of ouzo. Just taste a little of, uh, of this with ouzo. I can't believe I'm drinking ouzo at 10 o'clock in the morning. I didn't expect any less. <laughs> As Diane says, these spicy and salty cured meats are the best accompaniments to ouzo. What we just tasted is these are some of the best mezedas for ouzo. Very strong, very pungent. A little bit of salt, spice. Yeah, salt, spice, and parea. You know what that is? Company. <laughs> the hospitality we experience at Arapian exemplifies the most important ingredient in Greek cooking. The, the most important element in Greek cooking is what we call philotimo, which means uh, generosity. You want to share what you have with of the people you're with. We visit the Ariston Pie Shop near Syntagma Square, in business since 1910, to examine pides, or pies, a cornerstone in Greek food culture. These pies are not the sweet pies you might imagine, but rather flaky turnovers usually made with phyllo dough and stuffed with a variety of greens, cheeses, and meats. 
Spanikopita, spinach pie, and tiropita, cheese pie, are the most common, but virtually every region in Greece produces a multitude of variations with different shapes, pastry doughs, and fillings. Ariston makes 70 kinds of pies six days a week. Everything is made from scratch every day. Nothing is frozen, everything is fresh. When I asked Eleni, I told her how much work this was. She said, yes, it is a lot of work, but it's gratifying because we're making something good and we're keeping to the Greek tradition. Arriving at the Athens Central Market, Diane guides Steve through a wide selection of fish and seafood. This is a very typical array of Greek fish. John Dory fish, and the, the, the provenance is always listed on the sign. On the bottom. Right, it says Noxos in Greek. Um, this is uh, Tsipura, which is sea bream, I think. And there's, there's uh, Fagri is definitely a kind of bream in the corner of there, the pinkish one. Uh, red mullets, classic Greek fish, Mediterranean fish. Um, that's, that's really what he's got here today. And these are big prawns from Platamona, which is in the north. Diane offers a crash course in octopus cookery. Octopus is almost as versatile as chicken, but it's important to handle it properly. We can't come to a Greek fish market without pointing out the, the absolute most famous Greek seafood, right, which is octopus. And this actually, this guy's not, he's not great octopus today. It's really big, and it's exactly the kind that we want. How do we know that? It's, it's the two rows of suckers. That's what we always look for in, in an octopus. The, the um, species that has one row is not as tasty, and the, the it's meat not is tender? It's not as tasty. Um, the tenderizing has to do with the way the octopus is actually treated after it comes out of the water. Um, you know, usually it's you beat it a biblical 40 times, or you can throw it in a dry, the, the, the spin can of a washing machine, dry, and beat it that way. Or you can freeze it, which also breaks down the cell structure and so tenderizes it. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting about uh, there are all sorts of schools of thought about how to cook an octopus. Some people drop it into a you know pot of water and boil it all together. Uh, in restaurants, usually in Greek restaurants anyway, it goes into the oven with wine and, and all sorts of uh, you know, garlic, bay leaves, all sorts of herbs. My way of doing it, and it's the way that I learned from Greek home cooks, is to put it in a pot with absolutely no liquid, very, very low heat, cover the pot, the octopus exudes its own seawater, and what you end up with is this very intense octopus broth that makes a great base for skordalia, the garlic, uh, you know, the, the potato yeah. and garlic dip? So you put some of that I put some of that in there, it's delicious. But it, the octopus has a, becomes very, it, it, it retains its flavor that way. I think it loses flavor when you, when you cook it in water. Long periods of cooking time? Depends on the size. I mean, this would need, I would say, before it's actually uh, ready to eat, about an hour and a half. You cook it, you, you put it in, in a pot by itself at a, on a very low flame. This size maybe for about 50 minutes, 55 minutes. Uh -huh. And then you add whatever it is you're going to add to it. You know, garlic, onions, uh, olive oil, wine, tomatoes, uh, orange. 
range. And what about if you're olives. just grilling it? You're still... If you're grilling it, you also have to you have to soft still, you have to tenderize still, it first. Yeah. To my taste buds, a grilled octopus should be like a good steak. Mm -hmm. You want it? I, I'm not a fan of filet mignon. I want the, the cuts that you actually have to chew and work at mm -hmm. to get the flavor out of. And I think the same holds true for an octopus. You want it to be a little, a little bit chewy. It's usually it's overboiled in Greek restaurants in the United States, and you get this flaccid kind of soft. Melts, melts in your mouth. I, I think that's not. You want that nice char. Right. You want the charred yeah. chewiness. And the way to do that is either to you poach it a little bit, or you cook it in its own, you know, juices a little bit. Some people actually sun dry it, and that toughens up the meat a little bit, and then you grill it. And you see that. Well, you see that on Greek islands, octopus. Those you know, very famous pictures of octopus hanging on clotheslines to, to toughen up a little bit, to dry out a little bit. Octopus is a great, it's actually a very versatile dish. There are so many different ways to cook it. It's not only grilled. I mean, there are all sorts of stews made stews with and octopus. So, yeah, no, and, I, and all over the world, too. All over the world, yeah. Greeks generally don't like the small... Um, the baby the, octopus. Yeah, we don't like that very much. We find that the, the, it's not the most popular uh, seafood. Arriving at a nearby cheese emporium, Diane helps us distinguish between good feta and great feta. Well, we had Octopus 101, now we're going to have Cheese 101. Fantastic. Um, let me point out, this is the, the feta counter here. The feta is you know, the national cheese of Greece, everybody's heard of it. Um, one major point, feta is never, ever, ever made with cow's milk. It's always made with sheep's milk or with a combination of sheep and goat's milk. We have various types of uh, fetas here. And one cheese which is very similar to feta, but cannot actually legally be called feta, it's just made with 100% goat's milk. And it's simply a goat's milk uh, brine cheese. Okay. Now the thing that I want to point out, one of the things I want to point out, you see the difference in shape? This is made in blocks, and it's aged in tins. And this is aged in barrels. And you can see the barrels right down here. Uh, the barrel-aged feta, in my opinion, tends to be higher quality because the barrel breathes and the cheese ages in a more, you know, tin-aged feta and tin-aged brine cheeses were kind of an invention of um, feta producers in the early 60s because the, you can fit a lot more into a container when you're shipping it overseas. <laughs> so, I mean, it's practical and uh, there, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just I, I, I think barrel-aged feta tends to be a little bit, a little bit better. And we'll, we'll probably taste. I wanted to t show you some of the differences in flavor. You know, there's a whole range of uh, textures and sharpness in in feta cheese, and some of it has to do with where it's made, where it's from. Some of it has to do with the season. Some of it has to do with the skill of the cheesemaker and procedures and, kind of and often and I think as we'll see here because this is all made by the same producer one producer might make a range of textures or a range of sharp sharpness or mildness just to appeal to a, a, a wider range of, of customers one of the uh, telltale signs of, of, of the quality of a feta is the way it finishes on your tongue on your palate what you want to look for is feta that finishes it has a creamy finish if you're getting a grainy finish on the roof of your mouth, you've got feta that's been made with powdered milk. Let's see, what else do you want to know about feta? This is the quintessential uh, versatile cheese. 
it's we eat it for it, on every occasion, uh, in, at every meal, and breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Every, it's all different applications. It's a very good table cheese. It's the you know classic cheese in a Greek salad, of course. Goes great with extra virgin olive oil. Goes great even with honey. Uh, maybe we'll try to taste some of that later. Um, it's a very good cheese to cook with. It's very popular in fillings for savory pies. Um, peppers stuffed with feta cheese are great. That makes a great meze. Um, you know, you can do just about anything with it. The shop carries other popular Greek cheeses too. These cheeses include dried mazithra for grating, smoked mezzavone, ladotiri, and manuri. This is probably one of the most interesting uh, yellow cheeses in Greece. It's called ladotiri. It, th that means oil cheese. And it's actually, um, it's in the family of uh, the cephalogravieras, the cephalotiri, actually, which is a hard yellow cheese. But this is a sheep's milk cheese. And it's uh, after the cheese is formed and, and, ripe, and ripened to a certain hardness, it's dipped in olive oil and preserved in olive oil. That was the whole point. But uh, that's an aged, aged cheese. Yeah, this is an aged cheese. Yeah. And it's, it's got a very unusual, um, sharp flavor and almost a squeaky texture. And what are you? What are they it's use? a table cheese. Oh, table, yeah, okay. it's just a table cheese. Greeks, we eat a lot of cheese here. I mean, it's, we're big cheese eaters. Um, then here we have my absolute favorite Greek cheese. This is uh, called Manuri. This is another sheep's milk cheese. This is like um, ricotta salata mm -hmm. in the States. It's a very creamy, uh, generally made in the northern part of the country. It's a very creamy, very mild, very buttery uh, table cheese. That's actually very good dessert cheese. It's wonderful with fruit. It's wonderful with honey, honey on it and so on, yeah. uh, with all sorts of you know, fruit preserves. It's a really nice, uh, with poached fruit, it's very amenable to that kind of serving. Three hard yellow cheeses are also Greek favorites, Graviera, Kasseri, and Keflotiri. Here too is sheep and goat's milk butter. Greeks use this fermented butter to brush phyllo leaves for crisp baklava. This, this works really well with phyllo. If you have baklava, if you're making baklava, uh -huh and you, you know, use this to brush your, your phyllo with, it just adds this element, this you know, flavor dimension. So is it a sourness that it's kind of bringing a little it's, tiny bit? Or? This is a fermented butter, so it is a little oh, bit more, um, it is a, it's a, sour, a more sour butter, yeah. This is not anywhere near the full range of Greek cheese. There's, the, the last time I counted, there were something like 65 uh, unique regional Greek cheeses. Many of them, you know, produced in, in you know, very small quantities, very regionally, um, hard to find outside of the country, but I think more and more of them are, are being exported, yeah. Next stop, the Mastija shop. Here we find all manner of foods, liquors, and sweets made from the crystallized resin of a tree related to the pistachio, a tree that only grows on the island of Chios. Mastija, or mastic, was prized in ancient times as a breath sweetener and chewing gum. Mastija has a chewy texture and imparts a woodsy flavor to breads, puddings, and even savory dishes. Now sold in specialty food stores in the United States and elsewhere, Mastija is finding fans well beyond Greece.